My name's Sam, alcoholic. Thanks for that brilliant introduction. Really set the expectations low on that one. You know, you might not know, but you're definitely settling for someone else other than who would have been here. Um, and if you don't know, I'm, a, I'm an amazing speaker. Transformative weekend. Um, the one person I know in the room is walking away now. Um, so anyway, let's open. Why don't we open with a serenity prayer? God, you grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. So how long do you want me to talk? Uh, three hours, two hours? It says till 9.30. Yeah, I'll just, I'll go all night. Um, anyway, my, uh, my sobriety date's July 5th of 2007. Um, anyway, I'm, uh, you know, I, I, I just grew up in an alcoholic home. You know, I come from a long line of alcoholics. That doesn't make me an alcoholic. Um, but, you know, I don't know. I, that's, I, I grew up in a, in a home. Appreciate that. Um, I grew up in a home where, uh, you know, my mom just drank every day. A single parent home. You know, I've never known my father. Um, I, uh, you know, I'm an only child. Um, and, you know, my mom was just on the couch drunk every day. And, um, you know, I didn't think anything of it. And I'm not up here saying that's the reason I'm an alcoholic or anything like that. But that's just, you know, that's where I was. And, uh, you know, I'm someone who, uh, you know, growing up, I was, uh, you know, I'm, I'm someone who is just, I get, you know, I want to be the center of attention. I'm, uh, you know, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a little kid that is, you know, I'm constantly in trouble. I mean, I just, I, I cannot sit still. I can't join the general population. You know, uh, my, my chair is always right next to the, to the um, you know, the teachers. I can't keep my hands to myself. You know, it turns out I'm dyslexic. They didn't know that. So I, I'm constantly, you know, leaving to go. When everyone's learning to read, I'm, I'm, I constantly have to leave. And, uh, you know, I'm with the special education people. Meanwhile, at the same time, and I'm in the talented and gifted. So after school, I'm with all the brainiacs. I don't fit in there. And, uh, you know, during school, I'm with the special ed kids, you know, with the kid that's screaming penis, you know, in class. And, uh, you know, and so I don't fit in there either. And, um, you know, but what happened to me, really what happened to me, and the reason why I'm telling you this stuff is that growing up, you know, as my consciousness grew, what happened is there was distance between myself and others. And, uh, you know, and it was slow at first and began to become more and more pronounced. And uh, along with that, I mean, uh, when I was younger, it was, it, there was feelings of, of separation, of loneliness, acute loneliness when I was with, you know, other people. And, um, you know, and I was someone who, I just get bored easily. I turn, I turn inward and, uh, you know, I start analyzing myself. And, uh, you know, that, that became the, uh, you know, the boomerang, the boomerang later in life that, you know, turned in its flight and cut me to ribbons. So anyway, I'm someone who, uh, I'm just an anxious guy. And, uh, you know, as I start growing up, I'm, uh, you know, I'm just anxious. So, I mean, social anxiety. I don't even, you don't even need people. And I, I get anxious. I get, think about a social interaction, I get anxious. And, uh, you know, full of fears, nameless fears, not really tethered to anything, you know, just walking around the world. 
and uh, you know a constant feeling that uh, you know a constant feeling that I'm being watched um, you know and it was just me watching myself I didn't know that at the time though and um, you know all that kind of stuff a sense of separation a wall between myself and the world and uh, you know and luckily I, I found alcohol and I'm you know I'm a depressive kind of guy I'm an anxious kind of guy and uh, you know all that kind of stuff I mean I found alcohol and it just took it all away and um, you know I'm someone who uh, you know I didn't I wasn't with a bunch of buddies the first time I drank you know I was by myself and uh, you know and I remember that that first drink like it was yesterday um, I was uh, you know I, w I walked home I was I'd gotten it was some half day at school some tests that I probably failed I was a terrible student I left that went home I was with uh, some friends we parted ways and I'm walking over this overpass and the thought hits me that I should take a drink and uh, you know alcohol wasn't on the horizon I'm a product of dare you know I'm chanting I've got all the stickers you know don't do drugs you know don't do, don't drink all that kind of stuff and I'm walking across this overpass and the thought hits me that I should take a drink I go to my mom's liquor cabinet which wasn't a cabinet you know it was a little you know it was a cupboard full of liquor and uh, I grabbed some beef eater gin because I liked the uh, yeah she's some shakes um, beef eater gin not because I'm like a fancy guy but because I like the the bottle you know and I, I mix that with some orange juice and uh, which isn't a drink and uh, you know I drank that down and what happened to me I didn't know it at the time it wasn't a drink but what happened to me I mean a profound alteration in my reaction to life occurred I mean the moment that 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 passed the threshold of my my mouth all that stuff that anxiety that free fo floating fear all of that stuff that wall between myself and the world that sense of separation that sense of apart from that feeling that I am not with I mean it's everyone else and then me slightly outside all of that stuff now I was alone but all of that stuff sh just melted right away in the warmth of alcohol and uh, you know I was completely liberated for the first time and uh, you know I didn't know how bad the funny thing is you don't know how bad you feel until you feel good for one time you know and uh, so I'm an alcoholic of the doomed and hopeless variety that's not something I'm making up that's all throughout our book and uh, you know and what happened to me is uh, you know I get that one drink down I feel better than I've ever felt before in my life completely liberated from all that kind of stuff and what do I do more gin less orange juice I drank that down I blacked out I you know I threw up everywhere I passed out and I, when I came to the first thought was when can I do this again and um, you know th that obsession to drink was there I mean everything shifted in that moment all my dreams all my goals all my aspirations everything shifted and uh, you know it says in our book um, you know at some point in our drinking career we passed we passed between this line where where we have a choice and where we don't have a choice I think I started drinking like way past that line um, but what what happened to me I mean that early early drinking it was fun you know with other people it's fun there wasn't there wasn't consequences. I remember the first time I was drinking with other people, and this should give you an idea of what alcohol does for me. I'm, we're passing the bottle around, and uh, you know what happens is uh, they want to stop. You know they want to they want to conserve alcohol.
for a later date. Like there's something that exists called tomorrow. I mean, it's just, it's bizarre to me. And uh, I, don't, I don't have that reaction. I, I remember them saying that, and it's like, what are you talking about? You know, I'm just feeling good. And, um, and they want to turn it off. And, uh, you know, so I stopped drinking with other people, right? Um, but, uh, you know, my drinking, uh, you know, early on, I mean, I'm a daily drinker. I mean, I started drinking, and I want that as often as possible. And, um, you know, I'm a daily drinker, and, um, you know, at the end, I'm a daily oblivion drinker. But, uh, you know, at the beginning, it's just like, you know, the progression of my illness, um, you know, it was profound. It was marked. It was quick. And those feelings, those feelings that I said in sobriety became more and more pronounced. You know, all that kind of disconnection, that ill at ease. I mean, what the book calls, you know, the doctor's opinion calls restless, irritable, and discontented, you know, which is such an understatement. I mean, it was written by a non-alcoholic. Um, but I was, uh, all of that stuff, when I, when I got the effects produced by alcohol, when I was sober, it threw into relief what sobriety was like for me and, and the liberation that I felt drinking. And, um, so, I mean, early on what my drinking looked like was, you know, as, as often as I could get it with other people with not, you know, or not. And, um, you know, I'm drinking and, and pretty soon there's consequences in my life. Uh, you know, pretty soon there's people talking to me about my drinking. And, um, you know, that phenomenon of craving that hits, that hits me um, is, you know, what it looks like. I mean, it, it doesn't look like a phenomenon of craving. I mean, it really looks like I'm just, I just want to have some fun. You know, it really looks like I get a few drinks in me, you know, three or four drinks, and suddenly I, wanna, I want a fifth one, and I want a sixth one. And then it's like, who cares about tomorrow, you know? And, uh, but it doesn't look like I'm being driven to that next drink. Um, you know, I've heard that, that described as, uh, you know, this unquenchable thirst for more. And that's certainly what happens to me. You know, and I start drinking, um, you know, I just, I just can't turn it off. And, you know, and two drinks turns into 20 drinks, and the sun's coming up. And I'm wondering what happened. You know, I just wanted to feel okay. I just wanted a, a little liberation. And what happens is I, I, it just, it takes me out. I just cannot see it. And suddenly, suddenly it's the next morning. You know, suddenly the remorse of the next morning hits me. But, um, you know, I'm, uh, I'm someone that just, uh, you know, I went to... I just wanted to drink. You know, I just liked the effects produced by alcohol. And, um, you know, I was someone who, who, uh, who um, you know, I got, I got arrested. And, uh, you know, it's never my fault. Um, that's part of the problem. That's part of the reason why I'm in Alcoholics Anonymous. You know, I get arrested and, um, you know, I'm, uh, I'd been drinking and I was with some friends and, you know, we were going to go buy some, uh, you know, some drugs. And, uh, and anyway, we pull up and this guy's running out of the, he's running out of the uh, thrift way. And he's just stolen baggies. And he's just like, run, and the, the people are running out behind him, like sandwich baggies. 
And, uh, you know, and the police show up and, uh, you know, the guy puts it in neutral instead of drive. And it's like, if this idiot would have put it in drive, this wouldn't have been happening. And, uh, you know, and so I'm, you know, they search me and they find some stuff and, uh, you know, and we're sitting on the curb and, uh, you know, and there's two people in this situation. It's me and a friend. Now I'm drunk and he's not. Uh, and the whole topic of conversation is me and my actions, and it seems to always be that way. And they're talking to me about drinking, and, uh, you know, and I have these people in my life talking to me about drinking. And it's like, if you knew what, what drinking was doing for me, you would not be talking to me about not drinking. Because I cannot, I cannot live in the world sober. It's just, it's too much. The world seems too big and I'm too small. And that wall between myself and the world comes up. You know, and that remorse from the night before is slowly replaced by that inner tension of sobriety. And that, that remorse is slowly turned into the anxiety. It slowly turns into the fear. It slowly prevents me from being able to engage in life. See, when I'm drinking, what happens to me is I feel better than I've felt ever, you know, before. And, uh, I mean, I feel as if, uh, you know, all the people that I'd, I'd been seeing my whole life, how they felt. Confident, you know, able to, able to do life. It allowed me to participate in life. And, um, you know, and, and, you know, drugs are part of my story, and, and I won't talk much about that, um, but I'll say this is like, you know, I think it's I think it's fun to get high. You know, uh, it's it's fun, you know, laughing there, watching the news. Everything's funny. You know, I'm kind of hungry. There's not really much, you know, repercussions. Um, you know, I like the stuff that gets me, uh, you know, I can explore my consciousness, you know, visit another galaxy, uh, you know, really really understand inside what's going on and um, you know stuff faces come out of the wall and all that kind of stuff and uh, you know I like the stuff that gets me all jacked up and uh, you know running around um, but none of that stuff does for me what drinking does for me drinking gets me to a place that I've always needed to be that it, it allows me to participate in life it engages me in life. And that's why it was so fun at the beginning. You know, and that's why my mind would constantly return at the end of my drinking, would constantly look back on what it was like those first few times when I got drunk. And if only I could recapture that. If only I could recapture that. You know, I remember, um, you know, thinking, this is towards the end of my drink, I remember thinking, like, what had happened? Like, drinking was so fun. And now it's not. And just desperately wanting to get back to that place. Desperately thinking that this next one will take me back to what it was when it was working. And, um, you know, but what my drinking, you know, really looks like um, is, uh, you know, that page 44. I mean, page 44 where it says that, you know, I cannot safely put alcohol into my body. I cannot control the amount, and when I'm not drinking, I can't quit entirely. And, uh, you know, and that's really what just happens to me. And, um, you know, I'm uh, someone whose uh, mind seems to be the, the problem. 
Um, you know, and it talks about that on page 23. It says the main problem centers in the mind. And um, I, uh, you know, for instance, there was this one time I was trying to, I was trying to not drink. I'd had some problems, you know, people were talking to me about drinking, and um, I, uh, people were talking to me about drinking. I could see, you know, sort of what drinking was doing. And uh, in this particular night, I didn't want to drink. I wasn't trying to drink. That wasn't on the horizon. I didn't want to drink. Um, you know, I, I didn't want to do that. And, uh, you know, and so what I'm doing is I'm, I'm hanging out at home. And, um, you know, I, I got some friends that call me. And, uh, you know, they need me. You know, that's what they said. They needed me. And that just, I mean, that hits something, you know, deep inside. I love people that need me. You know, I love attention from other people. And, uh, you know, so they come over. And, uh, and, I, and I think I'm just being a nice guy. If they need me, you know, I'm the life of the party. And um, so we go um, start drinking. And that's, I mean, I, I mean it's so quick. I, I didn't want to drink. And here I'm drinking again. It's like, what, what happened? And that was what my mind always got me back. Um, so I'm drinking, and, um, you know, and what, what I remember, and this is also my drinking, too. I mean, I'm a blackout drinker. And, uh, you know, what I remember is, uh, um, you know, I'm drinking some jungle juice. You remember jungle juice? Drinking some jungle juice. And, uh, you know, eating the fruit in there. And, uh, you know, so I'm drinking this jungle juice. And uh, the last thing I remember is uh, I'm walking out and it's raining. You know, I grew up in Portland. Even though I'm from Las Vegas, I grew up in Portland. And uh, I'm walking out and, uh, and I, my last memory is I'm down in some peppermint schnapps. And uh, I polish that off. And the next thing I remember is that I'm waking up. I'm on a park bench, uh, you know, I'm, on a, I'm laying back on a park bench, I'm soaked to the bone, it had been raining all night, and, uh, you know, I'd threw up, thrown up, and, uh, and that's, I, I come to, and I'm soaked to the bone like that, and that gray sky, looking up at that gray sky raining on me, and just thinking, like, I feel exactly like that, and, uh, you know, and, and finding my way home, and that's, I mean, that's really what my drinking looks like, I'm not... You know, I'm not someone that's got this big, long, epic, you know, drinking story. I'm a loser, you know, and I'm a total failure. And, uh, you know, and that, that's me. I mean, if you're pathetic, you know, let's talk. I mean, that's me. Drinking did something for me. I mean, I'm awkward. I'm anxious. I'm so inside myself. And drinking just allows me to come out and play. I mean, I just come out in the world. I'm so pathetic, though, when I'm sober. I can't do it. I remember walking down the street, sober, thinking that every single house, you know, someone's in, it's, you know, it's 12 o'clock noon, you know, on a, on a weekday, you know, people are at work, right? I'm walking down the street, and I feel like people are looking out the windows at me, and I feel as if every car driving both ways is looking at me, and look how pathetic he is. You know, and I start drinking, and suddenly I look in the mirror, I'm the best-looking guy there ever was, you know? And, uh, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And I, I just come out, and it, it's like, I want to engage in life. I don't need, you know, I don't need, 
I don't need drugs. I mean, I, I come out and it's like, let's get going. Let's have fun. Let's have a party. Let's, you know, let's go. And, um, you know, and I, that, that's me. And, and what happens is I wake up in strange places. I wake up in woods, uh, you know, soaked to the bone. I wake up, I come to in uh, bushes and never comfortable bushes, always blackberry bushes. You know, I come to, I'm the, I'm the kind of guy that I start drinking and I'm on the ground in the dirt asking for another drink. You know, I can't stand, but I want another drink. And, um, you know, I, I come to just, you know, covered in blood. I, I assume it's my own blood. Um, you know, I ruin white shirts. I mean, that's a thing that I do. Um, and, that, and that's me drinking. And, um, you know, but it really was a solution for me. I mean, the problem seemed to be when I was sober, although every single other person in my life told me that the problem was alcohol. All those arrests said the problem was alcohol. But I'm, I, you know, I, t I, t I drive drunk, you know, come out, out of a blackout driving drunk, but the only time I ever totaled a car, and this just give you an idea of what it's like for me to be, to be sober, the only time I ever totaled a car, I was sober. Because I, didn't, I couldn't get a drink. And I was going crazy. I mean, restless, irritable, and discontent. You know, let's drive 90 miles an hour because I'm restless. I do not want to be here. I want to be somewhere else. I want to get going. You know, I'm discontented. I want the speed. You know, all that kind of stuff. I slide into a pool, uh, pole and, uh, you know, got to get rid of all the, the stuff that's on me until the, you know, so the police don't show up. And, um, you know, I, that's me. Um, so what happened? So I'm drinking every day, daily oblivion drinker, and, um, you know, I really see that alcohol, I mean, every, it, it had stripped everything away, and I got all these people talking to me about my drinking. You know, the police officers are talking to me about my drinking, my mother's talking to me about my drinking, you know, all, all the people around me talking to me about my drinking, and, um, you know, so this one night, um, this one night, I'd been drinking all day and uh, met up with some people, and uh, I'd been drinking wine. I like to drink wine. And uh, I'd been drinking wine, and, uh, you know, I met, with, met up with these people who were driving around, going to all these different parties, and I'm just, I just steal from people, you know, I'll go through their medicine cabinet, I'll go through their, you know, whatever, and I'll, I'll even go through their woodshed. You know, it's like, I'll look for that. So you got some gaf gasoline, you know, little Timmy's airplane glue. Um, but anyway, I'm, uh, you know, so I'm just stealing all this stuff, alcohol and, you know, all that stuff. And, and so I see this time. I want to have fun when I start drinking, too. You know, it really gets me going. And, uh, you know, I see this tire by the side of the road. And, um, you know, it, I thought it would be a good idea to take this tire and roll it down this hill into Beaverton Hillsdale Highway and, uh, you know, just to see what would, you know, just cause some mayhem and, uh, you know, see if I could see what would happen. And, uh, you know, but I'm too drunk to get it to roll straight. You know, I keep limping over to the side and it's rolling off and I can't get it to roll straight. And, um, you know, it's about three in the morning and the police come and, uh, you know, I, uh, it's the same cop who had 
got me like three weeks before for stealing cases of beer. And, um, and I just remember, I'm, I'm in and out of this blackout, and I remember that there's this profound feeling of like this man is playing this pivotal role in my life. Like it, this is supposed to be happening. Like the stars have aligned. Mars has gone into retrograde. You know, everything's lined up. And I had this feeling. And, um, you know, and, and just what happens to me is I'm just, I just don't know what's going on. I mean, the book says that we're a baffled lot. And that was me. I did not know what was happening to me. Because the people that I drank with, um, all they, although they, I thought they might have drank like me, I don't really think they were. They were getting up the next day and going and living their life. Or they were shutting it off. I mean, I've been, I was dating a, a non-alcoholic girl, um, which was, it's just boring. Um, but I was dating her and, uh, you know, just watching her drink, it's just bizarre. You know, she'd go out with friends or something like that and spend like six hours at a bar. And it's like, okay, you know, yeah, six hours at a bar. All right, well, so how much did you, how much were you drinking? It's like, she had like one drink, you know? It's like, or just watching her drink a glass of wine. You know, she starts feeling the effect produced by alcohol and she does not want any more of it. When I start feeling the effect produced by alcohol, all I want is more. That's all I can think about is getting another drink. And um, so I, um, I just have this feeling that this is supposed to be happening. And uh, anyway, I'm, I'm totally baffled by what's going on. I'm really looking for events to keep me sober. Something's going to happen. And, um, you know, it did, I mean, nothing changed. I mean, nothing changed. I was drunk two days later and with no thought. I mean, I'm just drunk again. And, uh, you know, the fight was gone, really. I mean, I just, I just, you know, I don't know. It was just gone. I just didn't know what was happening. And, um, you know, and I got humiliated, uh, you know, in front of a large group of people, uh, you know, about my drinking. And, uh, you know, everyone knew. I mean, everyone knew that I was an alcoholic. One girl called me an alcoholic and, you know, never talked to her again. But, uh, you know, everyone knew that I was an alcoholic. I went back. I know this from amends. I went back to make amends. And I was, you know, all the people I talked to, I was, I was drunk every day. I just I reeked of alcohol every day. And I had no idea that other people knew. And, um, you know, I, uh, and I didn't know. I really did not know what was wrong with me. Um, but the periods of sobriety were so intolerable for me. And that obsession of the mind, I mean, the, the book describes it, the insidious insanity which precedes the first drink. Insidious defined as subtle, but also seductive. I mean, it was sedu that's like that idea. Why don't I just drink like that? Why didn't I think of that before? If I just drink beer, beer only, I'll be able to drink. You know, if I just, just lay off the hard stuff, if I only drink wine, if I, you know, if I pace drinks, you know, if I don't start drinking until a certain time, you know, it's so seductive. That, that's the thing that's going to work. And, um, you know, and it never worked. 
I mean, I'd drink, the phenomenon craving would hit me, and, um, you know, I'd be gone again. And uh, one time I drank two drinks, and I couldn't get a third, and, uh, you know, that phenomenon craving was on. And um, they were like two light beers, too. And uh, that phenomenon craving was on me. I mean, it's like everything inside me wants another drink. And, uh, you know, I couldn't get another. And, uh, you know, eventually I raided the medicine cabinet and, uh, you know, just took something for oblivion. Just to not have that craving on me. The funny thing was, is that when I get sober, I look back on that one time that I drank two drink, drinks, not because I chose to, but because there was nothing else available. And I think I'm not an alcoholic. Because that one time out of a thousand, I didn't drink. So what happens to me, I, I get arrested, I have this, this profound effect, and then I'm drunk again. And, uh, you know, I wind up in a treatment center. And I'm going to pivot here, and I'm going to talk about, um, you know, so wh what untreated sobriety is like for a guy like me. And um, because if sobriety was great, I don't think I'd ever drink again. Plain and simple. But uh, for a guy like me, it, it becomes, I cannot, I cannot, I cannot do it. So I'm, uh, I'm in this treatment center. I've been to seven different treatment centers, two stays in the psych ward. That was sober. And um, I get, I'm in this long-term treatment center. I get the self-knowledge. You know, I'm in, you know, groups every day and all that kind of stuff, structured stuff, make your bed, you know, do this, do that. And, um, you know, and I, I just, I would lay awake at night and I'd, I'd hear the cars drive outside and I'd think they're so lucky they, they get to go drink. And, um, you know, I just, my mind would just constantly think about drinking. My mind always orbits around that first drink. And, um, you know, and I just, I was just consumed by it just consumed by thinking about drinking. And um, so I get popped out of this treatment center, and um, I'm, in a, young, I'm in, a, in a sober living home, and I'm doing an outpatient treatment center kind of thing, and I'm going to two to three AA meetings a day. I've got a sponsor. I'm sitting on a fourth step. So that's just context. About 16 months of sobriety, the majority of that time gotten in that long-term treatment center and a few other places. And, um, you know, July 3rd of 2007, what would happen to me is I'd wake up in the morning just terrified. I mean, terrified. I'd come to terrified of life. And uh, I'd go out, somehow I'd make it out in the world, and uh, I'd go and I'd do these group things. I'd go to an AA meeting, you know, what, something like that. I'm so consumed with myself. When it talks about that bondage of self, Relieve me of this bondage of self. I mean, that, that imprisonment of self. I'm going, I'm going, you know, through the world just full of anxiety. You know, please don't look at me. You know, don't smile. I mean, heaven forbid a girl smiled at me. It's like, you know, I just collapse in on myself and turn and run, you know. And um, so, I, and I'm super neurotic, just, I mean, all this kind of stuff. And I, I couldn't sleep at all. Just, you know, all that kind of stuff. And it seemed like the people that I was around, they loved being sober. And I hated it. And um, so 
16 months of sobriety, July 3rd of 2007, I woke up. It was a beautiful, clear day in Salt Lake City, Utah. And, um, and I lived right off a, uh, a big park called Liberty Park. And it was beautiful. I mean, green. I mean, the sun's out. Uh, you know, the birds are chirping. You know, the, uh, you know the, the people that love running are running, you know, and uh, the people that are going to work are going to work. I mean, everyone, the world is great, right? And I myself am hell. I mean, I cannot do this. It's, I mean, it's, t- I mean, those birds are grating. You know, they're not chirping. They're not singing. It's grating. The sun, it's a little too bright. You know, it's hurting my eyes. You know, all those children going off to school or where, going off to play. I mean, the, the voice, the shrillness of their voice. I mean, everything is just backwards. And, um, you know, and so I, I'm, I'm so pathetic, too. I mean, I'm, I'm like walking through the world, and I'm, I lay down in this, uh, in this schoolyard. I'm laying on the hot concrete, and I'm just thinking, like, like why can't there be shade? Like, you know, my life is just terrible. And, um, you know, and I lay there for like two hours and sweat. And, uh, you know, and I go home and, um, you know, I take a whole bunch of trazodone and I write out this suicide note and I lay down to die. I mean, I cannot take, at 16 months of sobriety, my life was way worse than it was at the end of my drinking. Because my consciousness... I mean, the book says on page 62 that the problem is, you know, this selfishness, self-centeredness, that we think is the root of our troubles. And that consciousness, all that stuff was on me without relief for 16 months. And, um, you know, I needed relief. I needed out. I, I cannot take this anymore. I cannot do life anymore. I wrote out this suicide note, something pathetic, like, I'm sorry, Mom, or something like that, and I lay down to die, and what happened is that the action of that trazodone, I took a lot, too, and I, and I, I eventually had a uh, psychiatrist telling me that, like, you can't, you can't get high off that, and it's just like, dude, you know, you know nothing about me, you know, you don't know anything about that, so I lay down to die, and what happens is the action of that stuff hits me, and I'm flying high, and, uh, you know, I get some relief for the first time in 16 months. And, um, you know, but uh, once again, I overshoot the mark. Um, you know, do I throw it up? I mean, it's been a few hours. Do I, do, should I jog it off? You know, like, what do I do, you know? And, uh, you know, so anyway, I feel so good. I, you know, I call 911 and, uh, you know, <laughs> let them know. And because uh, suddenly, this is the thing, t- suddenly I don't want to die. Suddenly life is beautiful once again, you know? And uh, so anyway, what happens to me is I wake up in the hospital two days later. July 5th of 2007 is my sobriety date. And I wake up in this hospital and I'd thrown up all over, like I, I threw up all over this white shirt. I mean, white, me and white shirts when I'm drinking is not a good idea. I throw up on them, there's blood. Um, so I throw up on this white shirt and, uh, you know, this, the little nurse comes by, I couldn't figure out how to take off my shirt. I couldn't find that little button to call the nurse, you know, thank God she came by and, you know, got <laughs> took my shirt off. And, um, so I wake up two days later in this hospital bed and I had this moment of clarity where I realized that I was going to drink again and I was going to go insane in sobriety. And, um, 
that was the place that I had reached. I had reached that place that I couldn't picture life without a drink, and I couldn't picture life with a drink. And I wished for the end. And that was where I'd reached. And I, I didn't feel good. I don't think you feel real good on a first step experience, or at least I didn't. Um, and, uh, you know, I just, I, I didn't know what to do. And, um, you know, eventually I, uh, you know, I was in the psych ward and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, uh, I mean, alcohol had gotten to a point where alcohol was literally more important to me than anything or anyone else in my life. And I lost the power of choice. And sobriety untreated without a solution in the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous brought me to a point where I couldn't, I couldn't picture life sober at all. And, um, so I was in a, uh, in a psych ward, you know, and it's weird if you've been sober in a psych ward, the result of drinking and alcoholism to be around, I mean, insane people, like crazy people and, and think, God, I, I've got myself here. Like this is, I, doesn't feel good, you know, cause when you're in jail, right? Everyone else there is like there for like being hard, you know, I'm so cool, you know, all that kind of stuff. It's like, I am pathetic. I'm in the psych ward, I'm stone cold sober, and there's, you know, people, crazy people walking down the hallway, you know, screaming, and it's like, uh-oh, you know, what have I done? So anyway, I got kicked out of the, my last treatment center. They told me that I was, uh, I was never going to be able to live in society uh, sober, and that the, my best chance that I had at life was to uh, find some fire watch position way up in the woods with the forestry service because I'd never be able to live in the world sober. And, uh, you know, I got kicked out. They told me that I was a liability, that I was going to drink again, and uh, they didn't want me around. So they kicked me out, and I walked into a meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous in Portland, Oregon on a Friday, after, Friday afternoon, and I introduced myself as a newcomer, and a man caught me in the parking lot, and he changed my life. And uh, that man was a man properly armed with the facts about himself. And he talked to me, um, you know, he talked to me, and what happened was I just believed, I believed in him. And uh, I didn't know what else to do. He told me to call him the next morning at 8 a.m., which was like really early for me, um, but I did it. But I, I did it because I, didn't, I knew that I was going to go back to drinking, and I knew that I was going to go back to the psych ward. And, uh, you know, and what happened was... Uh, was, uh, you know, he introduced me to a, to a new way of life. And that's really what I want to talk about. You know, we all, we all drank, you know, we all know that, right? And, uh, but I really want to focus on, you know, the steps and, uh, you know, and what happened. And so anyway, let me, I'll just finish my story and then we'll pivot into, into the steps. I, you know, I started doing what that man told me to do. He told me to get service commitments. He, he took a schedule and he, he outlined which meetings he wanted me to go to. He told me he wanted me to call him every day, get a service p p uh, position, get a home group, you know, get all that stuff, and just throw myself into Alcoholics Anonymous and just immerse myself totally in Alcoholics Anonymous. And I just started doing what he, was, what he told me to do. And I got the home group that he told me to get. I got the service position. Not because I believed that it would work at all. I just didn't know what else to do. I, I mean, I was baffled. I did not know what had happened to me. And I did not know why, when I put down drinking, why my life didn't get better. And that's really what, it, what it's all about. I, I mean, 
you, Alcoholics Anonymous is not designed for, to, to get you done from drinking. It just won't work. You know, go out and drink. That's going to get you done. You know, that's the only thing that's going to get you willing to do something in Alcoholics Anonymous. Enough pain. But Alcoholics Anonymous is not designed for you to quit drinking. It's designed to produce in sobriety a feeling, you know, relieve you of that bondage of self enough so that you don't find it necessary to be driven back to, back to that first drink. That's what it does. It treats my sobriety. And, uh, and that's, what I need, that's what I need treated. So early on, I just did what he told me. He, he wanted me reading the book. You know, we talked about the, you know, the first step. He, he talked about the phenomenon of craving. He talked about, um, he talked about what, what that stuff meant. You know, because I didn't know what phenomenon of craving meant. That sounds like real big words. But when he broke it down, like, when I start drinking, I want another drink. And when I drink on that, I want another drink. I mean, he just broke it down like that. And suddenly, going through that doctor's opinion, going through those first few pages of Alcoholics Anonymous, what happens is it throws all my drinking into relief. It explains to me what's wrong with my, with my life why I drank different than other people. And uh, I start to see the problem. And I start to get presented with the solution. And, uh, you know, so what happened is, uh, you know, I, I didn't really have much trouble with the second, with the second step early on. Later in sobriety, when the, when the ego regrows, that's when I had some trouble with the, with the second step. And I, again, I didn't have much trouble with the, the third step. I gave my will and my life over to God in a, you know, in the Good Samaritan Hospital, the chapel at the Good Samaritan Hospital on a rainy Sunday, and, uh, you know, but what happens in uh, sobriety is the ego regrows, and, um, you know, so early on, that stuff was just fine, I mean, he just, he told me that self was the problem, he told me that, that the decision that I made in that third step meant that I was going to go through with the rest of the steps, and that was fine, I just started going on, you know, but what happened to me Four, around four years sober is uh, I got this good life that Alcoholics Anonymous provided. I was in school, um, you know, I got a girlfriend, you know, a little job, a car, you know, all that kind of stuff. And around four years sober, I was reading a book and, um, and I literally, th I was, it was a history book. It, it was a history book about slavery, actually. And I was reading this book and I thought myself out of God. And uh, what that was, was the ego had rebuilt itself. And uh, that ego got smashed. When I woke up in that hospital bed, I looked at my life, that my ego was smashed. But what happened was suddenly my life's better, everything's working out, and my ego had regrown. And because uh, the funny thing about the ego is that I've worked the 12 steps but so is my ego. Suddenly I'm sitting in meetings looking at people thinking, you know, I go to more meetings than this guy. You know, someone's talking about meditation. Well, you know, I do a better meditation than that guy. You know, or I meditate longer than him. Someone's talking about sponsees. Well, you know, I got more sponsees than that guy. You know, all that kind of stuff, that judgment, all that stuff has regrown. So anyway, I'm around four years sober, I'd, uh, I'd thought myself out of God. 
You know, I was active in Alcoholics Anonymous. I was in the jail, a sponsoring guy, all that kind of stuff. The 12 and 12 talks about two steppings. You know, first step, I'm an alcoholic. 12th step, go help other people. So I was doing that. And uh, four years sober, uh, you know, God's gone. And, uh, and when God's gone, Sam's there. And, uh, you know, my plans, my little plans and designs came back in. And, um, you know, I had this vision of my future. And, uh, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start doing that. And what happened was around six years sober, I had a second surrender in Alcoholics Anonymous. And the, the second step took on a whole new meaning for me. Um, when I was six years sober, I was uh, living in Salt Lake City at the time. I had gone to graduate school. And I woke up one day, and uh, I couldn't do it anymore. I just couldn't do it anymore. Uh, I'd gotten to that point that I was like earlier. I couldn't do it anymore. I, need, I was either going to pick up a gun or pick up a drink. And I just could not do it. And uh, what happened is I, uh, I, left, I left that. I moved back to Portland. Um, and, I mean, I was... I, I actually checked into a psych ward, and I was sitting there because this. I'm looking for I'm looking for the solution because I've gotten rid of God. So now I'm looking for the solution everywhere else. You know, maybe I need a new girl. I need a new career. I need a you know a, a new car. I need a, you know a new diet. A, you know everything. I'm looking for for God everywhere other than where I'm supposed to be looking. And so I check into this psych ward. Like, you know, I'm ready to kill myself and uh, afraid that I'm going to. And they go, they do the whole intake thing. And then they, uh, you know, I didn't have any insurance. So they kicked me right out. And uh, so I, I eventually go to some, I, I shared at a meeting. I was too fat to fit in my suit. Um, so I'm, I'm talking at this meeting and I shared honestly from the podium, which is something that you, I mean, in my opinion, you rarely see in Alcoholics Anonymous. But I shared honestly from the podium, and uh, what happened was uh, a man approached me again. It, none of this is me, you know. I'm not someone that goes and seeks this stuff. But a man approaches me after the meeting. He says, "I'm really concerned about you. I think you're gonna something bad's gonna happen." And um, I go through. I start going through the steps again. And what happened to me is on page 52, after the bedevilments, there's a little paragraph that that ends with our ideas did not work but the God idea did and here I was six years sober and a complete failure once again and uh, and that was what I needed to hear I mean my ideas simply do not work but here there was all these people in Alcoholics Anonymous talking about God you know God 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 and uh, which really irritated me but you know, they were talking about it, and, uh, and I, I was willing to do something different, and, um, you know, and that changed my life. There's a whole new meaning to the second step for me. Um, I, I gave my, my will and my life over to God again, and, uh, you know, in that third step, and, and, and that third step for me, too, it's, I mean, it's, that's not one and done, you know what I mean? That's a, that's a constant kind of surrender. You know, I say the third, third step every morning. I did, I've done it for a long time. Um, but, you know, it's just like I, I start running on my own ideas. I mean, for instance, 
this was uh, this was recent. You know, I'm uh, I was using this girl, um, <laughs> and uh, you know, and she she called me and I told her that she was uh, she goes, you know, sometimes I feel uh, that I'm um, you know like I, I, I'm small to you or like you don't even think about me and I said yeah I don't think about you and uh, and that really hurt her feelings and she started crying and uh, you know she called back and uh, you know she'd mustered up some courage she called back and uh, I'm talking to her on the phone and um, you know she uh, I end up yelling at her and um, you know, telling her that when when is she gonna when is she gonna realize that I don't want her around? You know, when is she gonna pick up on that? And um, you know, so she's crying. And anyway, I I felt I really didn't feel good about that. You know, I made her cry. You know, all that kind of stuff at 12 years sober. And uh, you know, I, I've punched a wall at uh, I think it was nine years sober. I didn't feel good about that. Uh, you know, there's stuff I've done that I don't feel good about. You know, I've cheated on, on you know, people in sobriety, used, uh, you know, AA meetings and fifth steps as a way to, you know, as an excuse to do that. Um, but there's just things that I don't feel good about. And, uh, and, I, and that surrender comes again. I mean, it's me running the show once again. And, uh, you know, hitting my knees and realizing that I am, I am someone that cannot keep myself sober. I mean, that's, that's why, I mean, I assume that you might be here because you want to make friends, but I assume that that's why you showed up to Alcoholics Anonymous, is that at some point in time, you realize that you cannot prevent your next drink. And that I place myself beyond human aid. And guess what an AA... AA meeting is composed of a bunch of human aids, you know. I place myself beyond human aids, and um, at some point in time, I really have to reckon with the fact that, you know, whether I'm newly sober three days or 12 years sober, I I cannot prevent myself from taking the next drink. So what happened was. Uh, you know, I'm laying awake at night, and I've been, you know, messing around with some other girl, too, and uh, I was laying awake at night. You, you were expecting, like, some real spiritual talk. I told you I'm a complete and utter failure. Um, but I'm laying awake at night, and the thought comes to me that, you know, perhaps I'm not really an alcoholic. And it wasn't just like a... Uh, you know, I'm in a position of neutrality, safe and protected. Oh, laugh it off kind of thought. I mean, it was a thought that I started running with. You know, maybe I'm not an alcoholic. You know, maybe my problem actually was drugs. You know, maybe I can safely drink again. And, uh, you know, I woke up the next day. I called my sponsor, told him about that. And, uh, you know, he got off the phone with me and... Um, you know, I, I just hit my knees, and, uh, you know, I surrendered once again. I mean, my, but it's, it's real simple. This stuff is, like, really, really simple. My ideas do not work. 
but the God idea does. I mean, it's just really simple. And, uh, you know, and I had that surrender again. And, uh, you know, I woke up, or I, I got up, and I just, th- I just threw myself into Alcoholics Anonymous again. You know, go, f- go try and find some new guys. Um, you know, get into detox, all that kind of stuff. And, um, you know, so I, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's um, the third step for me today is, um, you know, what does God want me to be? You know, where does God want me to be? What is, the, what is your will for me today? You know, and really, I mean, tether myself to that throughout the day. And, um, you know, I, uh, it's funny, I, I get in, I can just create messes in my own life, you know. And uh, as a result of Alcoholics Anonymous, the, result, the program of Alcoholics Anonymous, um, so when I, uh, when I was newly sober, like I said, I had tried to go to school, and um, I had a .2 GPA cumulative in high school, so point .2, not 2.0, but point .2, I didn't even know what a point thing was, what a GPA was in high school, but I had a point .2 GPA in high school, and they didn't want to kick me out because they thought I'd kill myself, so they took pity on me, I'm pathetic, they took pity on me, and, uh, you know, and so when I got newly sober, I was, uh, I went to, uh, I tried to go to college, and uh, I got a GED, I tried to go to college, and what happened was I'm sitting in those classes, and meanwhile I'm going insane, sober, in the, in the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous, and uh, the first two semesters that I tried to go to college, I had to take withdrawals. So I have two withdrawals on my semester, and I wound up in the psych ward both times. That's me sober without a program of Alcoholics Anonymous. And uh, just last week, or actually two weeks ago now, I, uh, they awarded me my PhD um, as a result of, of the program of Alcoholics Anonymous and a God in my life. That's what Alcoholics Anonymous does for a, God, for a loser like me. Um, you know, and, and all that is is just the daily basis, the daily treatment of alcoholism through the program of Alcoholics Anonymous, through throwing myself in, through God reliance, God direction, all that stuff happens. And, um, you know, so if you got no hope out of any of my talk, hopefully that part might, uh, might give you some hope. But uh, that's all I got. Thanks. Thank you.